The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Dalton, coming up today on Building the Future. I have this belief that I must see a spike from day one. Even if I'm going to raise money, I must see profitability in a short time. I can see that it's an enthusiastic crowd, a starving crowd, ready to pay. I saw this, I saw it from day one, as in from the test with my friends and from when we put it online, sent an email to my list and I saw it from day one. I'm like, yes, I must nurture this. I can actually put something out there. People respond and pay. That means I'm going to be rich. This series is in partnership with the British Council in Nigeria. The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to britishcouncil.org.ng. One of the things we do at Starter is growth consulting. We work with select number of growth stage startups and established companies to grow and retain their customers. We do growth. We're not a digital marketing agency. Instead, we help our clients figure out their customer acquisition and retention by focusing on three major things. We help them build a consistent narrative and community around their core offers. Second, we help them build a scalable, repeatable, and cost-effective growth growth systems and strategies. And lastly, most importantly, we help them build an in-house team that we execute the strategies for them. We've worked with and still working with companies like Flutterwave, Cranium One, DIY Law, Omar Gardens, JEE Client Services, Amara Suit, and many others. We're a small team of startup entrepreneurs, investors, product designers, and growth marketers with experiences of building and scaling our own products and companies. To work with you, we'll have to determine if there's a fit and if we can significantly make a difference to your growth trajectory within a short time. If your business is currently making money, at least $10,000 per month, and you want to scale to the next level, let's have a chat. Go to wedogrowth.co and book a free strategy session with us. That is w-e-d-o-g-r-o-w-t-h-dot-c-o. Wedogrowth.co and book a free strategy session with us today. My guest today is Akin Alabi. He's the founder of NaraBet, an online sports betting platform in Nigeria. Akin grew up with the hopes of being rich. According to him, he wasn't too particular about his profession or career as long as it was legal and it made him rich. He started his career by selling ebooks, CDs, and audio tapes and manuals. In 2009, he launched NaraBet. Last year, he wrote a book, Small Business, Big Money, where he outlined how to start, grow, and turn a small business into a cash-generating machine. In this episode, we talked about his journey as an entrepreneur, how to build a business in Nigeria without raising external funding, how to price your product, and the importance of understanding the market. So Akin, welcome to Build in the Future. It's a pleasure meeting you. I think I've read a lot about what you've done and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. First of all, I want to get some clarity about how betting works. <laughs> well, 
um, I'll make it as simple as possible. Betting on sports, it's all about putting your money on an outcome that you feel is likely going to happen without actually predicting the exact scoreline. Maybe a Barcelona fan, for example, and you say Barcelona wants to play, say, Osasuna or Racing Santander in the Spanish Liga. And you're like, I think Barcelona is going to win. So you put money on Barcelona to win. That's it. Okay. I understand that bit. Yeah. But what I want to understand is the business model. Okay. So I put my money into your platform. Yeah. I'm betting that Barcelona is going to win. Yeah. And I'm saying I'm going to put $20 on yeah. that. Who determines the odds? Yeah. Are you the one? We do. You determine the odds yeah. because based on some calculations yeah. and algorithm. Yeah. And it's okay. Uh, the odds against Barcelona is yeah. 2 to 10. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to bet against or for that odd. Yeah. Okay. So if I bet against that odd, I say, okay, $20. If they win, I'm going to get $10, right? Yeah. Um, $100. $100, for example. Right, and then maybe 100 people bet that way. So yeah. 100, that's $2,000. Okay, $20, that's, yeah, 100 people, that's $2,000. Yeah. And Barcelona didn't win. Yeah. You get all the money. Yeah, if you bet on Barcelona, and um, Barcelona didn't win. That $2,000 goes to the platform. Yeah. If Barcelona wins... We pay out. You need to pay out $100 to each of them. So that's $10,000. Okay. Hey, depending on the strength and weakness of the team and the likelihood of who's what's going to happen with determine the odds. For example, Barcelona, we all know, is a top European football club side and they're playing at home to a smaller Spanish team. Now, if you're betting on Barcelona to win, the money you're going to win is going to be very small because it's very likely it's going to happen. We can say 1.1 or 1.2, which is you get 10% of what you're betting on. So you put $20, you get $22 in return, meaning you get only $2 right. gain on your $20. Yes. But for the away team that is a very small team, you can say if you're going to win, you're going to get times 15 of what you bet on. So your right. $20 is going to give you $300. Yes. Yeah. What I want to get is what happens if the away team wins? Yeah, that weaker team with the bigger odds. Yes. And you are also betting that not a lot of people will bet against Barcelona. It's usually actually spread out. Most right. people will bet on Barcelona because they are the favorites. Yes. Right? Just at a little... So we've made a total of $1 million comes in in total betting. Yes. We'll probably pay like $1,200,000 out. So that's, that bet has cost us $200,000. Right. But so, we have people who put maybe $100,000 on their away team. We kept that one because they've lost their bet. Yes. Or those that put on draw, they've lost their bet as well. Okay, so that means the business model works on you hoping that a lot of people will not take risk that will likely work for them. No, sense. it's not hope. You know that psychologically, it's, it's you know that people mm. will No, no, against. no. We don't base it on hope. We base it on the odds. We base it on the odds that leaves room for the platform. Do you always win? The platform, always no, over long term. Yes, even in on every hold. No, 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 no. We no. don't always win because um, there could be a match, and the people that play on that match all played on one outcome, so we can lose on that game. Interesting. We can lose on the Premier League. We can lose on boxing for the weekend. We can lose the entire week. The entire business can be in a loss the entire week, and the following week it's a profit. Then, but at the end of like three months, six months, one year, the, the business profits. How do you then plan on a repeatable growth for that? So you don't know sometimes that people might behave one way that can make you lose and the outcome is not determined by you. You know what's going to be. You know, but you just can't say this day is going to be good or it's going to be bad. Now, this week that we are in, in March, 
It's been very terrible for sports betting companies worldwide. Why? Because there's been lots of huge winnings. Most people tend to play on the favorites, and when favorites win regularly, they pay out. Got it. Right? Right. If there's a particular weekend and you're looking at the football games and you see Barcelona lost at home and uh, Man City drew at home, and then you know that a lot of people have lost their bets. Interesting. Because a lot of people like to play on, it's not absolute, but generally people like to play on favorites. I want to now deep dive into the psychology of betting. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure you would have interacted with that stuff a lot before your business. Psychologically, do people always try to do safe betting most of the time? No. In Nigeria, no. In Nigeria, no. Yeah. In other climes like the UK, yes. Why? The average Nigerian punter is looking for the big win. The lottery jackpot. Interesting. But the average guy in the UK can just put 20 pounds expecting to win 40 pounds, 60 pounds. But in Nigeria, someone put 100 and wants to win 30 million. Interesting. So they go for the long odds. They go for accumulate like 40 matches together. And there's something we call accumulator where you combine the games. So because as you combine each game, it multiplies the odds of each game to give you your total expected outcome. Uh, so, but if one game spoils it, is you've lost the bet. So people shoot for it. They'll choose Man United to win Chelsea, to win Barcelona, to win Bayern Munich, to win like 40 games and put 200 and they want to win 7 million, right? So... And is that a reflection of the entrepreneurial spirit of Nigerians that they want to just go for big things? Or it's just that we have a gambling culture? No, I think it's because we have a low buying power. They can only bet with 100 naira. They can only bet with 200 naira. Why why would they win 220 naira with 200 naira and gain 20 naira? What are they going to use 20 naira for? So if they want to lose their 100 naira, they don't care to lose it, but hope that one day the big win is going to come. So it's their low buying power. If they have a lot of money to play and they're playing one million, they won't shoot for the long bet with one millionaire. They'll go for the safe bets. So it's the money they can afford to bet. So they can be like, okay, I can dispose this hundred naira. But I hope if I'm lucky, it must bring me something meaningful. I don't want to put hundred naira and bring one hundred and thirty naira and return and get thirty naira. I want to put my one hundred naira and get ten million. I want to ask you about culture of gambling. And I also want to ask you how you started, which I've read about. Mm. It's a very, very interesting story. If I have anything against the business in a way, is where does this lead to hmm. about gambling culture? And it can be addictive hmm. and it can lead to a lot of people losing their money hmm. or breed a culture of not working hard and, and betting that I'm going to win something one day. What's your view on that? Um, gaming, gambling is an adult product, 18 plus product. And that's why it's regulated, rightfully so, heavily regulated. If it's so regulated that we have double regulation, we have the national National Lottery Regulatory Commission, and we have each state saying they have the powers as well. Like in Lagos, it's Lagos State Lotteries Board. So we're regulated by Lagos State Lotteries Board, at the same time regulated by National Lottery Regulatory, paying licenses to the two, paying dues to the two, both of them protecting the same customer. So it's heavily regulated. So when you have an adult product, there will, will always be criticism, right? Another example of an 18 product is alcohol, right? We're always going to have people criticize alcohol and say it's not good, it's uh, it's causing kidney problems, yeah, and so on and so forth. But everything, as long as it's controlled, regulated, and monitored, there shouldn't be much problems. Apart from the government regulating it, those of us in the industry, we do our bit and make sure that kids don't come near it. We believe as an adult, you can make decisions. So as long as we can protect kids from it, Adults should be able to make good decisions. What about people that leads to addiction? I know in the UK that some of those uh, gambling shops, they are required to protect people that are addicted from coming and yeah. over and over again. Do That's you if you know they're addicted. 
Yes, because mm. they've been losing lots of money. Yeah. And are, do you have any measures for that? We have limi- limitations in amount you can bet, things like that. The amount you can bet, you can't bet more than so-so excess amount. So we know that if you're betting up to so-so amount, maybe there's a problem. Maybe, maybe you just reach or just maybe there's a problem, but we don't care. We've limited the amount that you can bet with. Uh, we limited the winnings too, because the winnings can be what is going to trigger some people to just get into debt, just get into it by... You limit the upside? You can't call it upside because if you say you're going to get so-so amount from gambling, it can make you do anything to get it. So we have to limit it a bit. But when we say limited, we're, still, we're talking about 25 million, 30 million and so on. Okay? But we're not, we're not promising you're going to win billions, right? Then another thing is that we tell people this is not a business. You betting, you're not doing business. You're just entertaining yourself right the moment you go into it and say ah, i want to invest twenty thousand and betting you are deceiving yourself it's just view that you go mr a has one thousand naira. mr b has one thousand naira. mr a goes to the cinema to watch a movie puts one thousand the one thousand is gone from him he goes home mr b takes one thousand and goes to a betting shop places some bets He's going to maybe even have fun, maybe watching it and with all the tension, like, I, I hope my team that put money is going to win. He's more emotionally yeah. invested yeah. in that game. And he loses it, and he loses that money, and he goes home. They've bought lot 1000 In fact, Mr. B even has option of getting money in return if he actually wins the That's bet. That's your marketing side saying that, okay, mm. it's, it's a better outcome for that. But mm. I know that it's a big thing about yeah, It's it, definitely about, going to be controversial. It's an adult product, come on. It's an adult product. It's always going to be controversial. So are we saying we're going to ban all kinds of adult products? It's regulation, education, and these things we will continue to do. You can't just say no more because it's adult. No. Yeah, and you have a lot of things in place to regulate it. You're also doing self-regulation for yes. your own. Yeah, well. yeah. And then, and then there is also the bit about the fact that you are protecting vulnerable people, like the, like the young young people. Yeah, on the age. For now, example, I was walking past one day in was it one town, and I saw an Arabic shop which belonged to an agent because we have our own shops and we have agent like a franchise. And I saw kids in school uniform in the shop and I stopped my car, got down, found out who that agent was, called the head office and we shut down his account and we took off his license. How do you prevent that? We have area managers going around. We have people looking. It's like the police patrolling. Police patrolling, but there was an armed robbery. They were not there at that time, right? So you can kill, you can't always prevent it 100%, but when it happens, what are you doing about it? So if we see such a thing, we clamp down hard. If I see any a cashier in a company-owned shop and on the age is there, that's the end of his job. Is the business profitable? What's the margin like as a business on its own? The margin can be determined by the operator, right? Narabet can say this is going to be our margin. It's the way you put out your odds. There's something we call over round, right? Which is, I can set my odds that the margin is 10%. The margin is 5%, 3%, 1%, 20%. So because of competition, you have people setting their margin lower and lower and lower. Because the higher your odds, the lower your margin. For example, if I say on Arabic, Barcelona to win is 1.2. And you come up with yours, Barcelona to win is 1.3. People will be tempted to go to yours. Because if I put 1,000, if you put 1,000 on mine, they get only 200. If they put 1,000 on yours, they get 300. 
So that means your profit is smaller than my profit. So there's a big competition amongst the betting platforms now. On the odds. On the odds yeah. to get market share. Yeah. One of the interesting bits is about your story, how everything started. Mm-hmm. Um, you once said that while you were in school, you don't have this ambition to become this or that. You mm-hmm. want to become a billionaire. Yeah. And let me ask a very straight question first. Are you a billionaire now? Define billionaire. No, in your own, in your own dream. <laughs> no, you, in my own dream, no. You're not yet a billionaire. Okay, mm. are you, you're a billionaire in Naira, but not a billionaire in dollars. Is that what you're saying? I don't know how wealth is measured, to be honest. What do you have in mind when you said you want to be a billionaire? Then? I, I just I just used billionaire as rich. You want to be rich? I, I want to be comfortable. I, I don't want to lack money to buy the things I want to do. Let's talk about your story, why, how you started. You did a lot of businesses. You once sold uh, chicken mm-hmm. street. That shows the grits that yeah. you have. The, the, tell me about that. What are the key things that you learned in those days when you started? Did you start your business after your H&D immediately or First before? of all, before I go back to the story how I started, let me talk about the chicken experience. I'm not trying to form a grass-to-grass story, right? I didn't come from a poor home. I can't say my parents were rich. They were not rich. We just the basic... Uh, middle-class family, right? So that was actually after my H&D truly, and, um, but that was not the first thing I did, but I'll go back there. So my friend who said, okay, let's do some farming because I was always hustling, what could we do? So he had a farm to was using, so I brought him some money as well. So we raised chicken and said, okay, let's sell chicken. And we targeted Christmas period that's going to be 12 weeks or so that's been matured enough to sell. So when Christmas came and we put, the, put out our sign that people should come and buy chicken, people did not come. We're like, there were so many people doing that already. No, many people selling chicken already. So why they need to come to us? And I said to my friend, look, we just can't sit here and wait for people to come and patronize us. Let's go out there. So we hired a car, took some of the chicken i went to war road in, in the bottom and we're selling the chickens and we're running after cars like madam buy chicken buy chicken so that was it it wasn't like i was i had probably dinner or meet at home when i get back home so it wasn't like i was poor and suffering but i just had to do that because i wanted the business to succeed that's a good point you raised that people think entrepreneurs take a lot of risk but some people the risk they're taking is not just about okay i don't have food and mm. they were, they're able to take bigger risks because they know that there's a limit to which they can fall mm. What's your view on that? Did you take some of the risk you took, like now that you have this betting stuff, you built that on top of another business that you built, which is um, information marketing. And mm. Were you able to take that big risk? You are able to have some money to pay the developer that developed platform for you, and you're able to do that more than any other person who would have maybe coming from grass and be able to build this kind of stuff that you're doing. Well, I think you can all form a minimum level for yourself right no matter where you're coming from what is my own minimum what i saw as my own minimum level to some people they will never come that low and they will see that that my own minimum level is too low so you can always prepare yourself and uh, you can't how will i put this i don't think it's a factor fine i had a good support system i had i still live in my parents house i didn't worry about rent so maybe that helped right no doubt. But if I wasn't living with my parents, I'm sure I would have been living somewhere, right? I won't be under the bridge, okay? So wherever I would have been living, I would have still been giving thanks to those people as well. Maybe a friend, maybe a family somewhere. So we all have that basics. As long as we are breathing, as long as we are alive, we all have that basics. We all have money. We are not all rich, right? Everybody has 109 in their pockets. We all have 59, 1,009 in our pockets, okay? So, but let me just take you back to how... It all started. 
when I was doing my NYC in uh, 2002, and I said to myself, okay, what, what am I going to do once I finish at the end of 2002? And I wasn't really interested in looking for a job for two reasons. Not my thing. Secondly, uh, I had a HND, and I know the BSC HND thing in Nigeria, even BSC itself, they've not, they never get job finished. So, I said, don't let me deceive myself. So that was a perfect excuse for me why I was not even going to find a job. So in the process, I've always been a reader. I've read entrepreneurial books, direct marketing books. What did you study at the poly? The business administration, but I'm not sure it had anything to do with that. <laughs> so um, I read a lot of entrepreneurial books, especially direct marketing books, copywriting books. And um, I now stumbled on a magazine called Success Digest. Nigeria is a Nigerian magazine published by Dr. Sonia Bazo Jagbase, who is the publisher of Complete Sports newspaper and magazine. I used to read that in the 90s. About. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was officially my first mentor. He's still my good father till now. So... I was reading, that was where I actually got the links to the books and resources online about this direct market. I love direct market. You can just put out the mother's advert out there selling a product and you can just get rich using just one advert, right? So I said, okay, I learned copywriting, sales letter writing and these things. Towards the end of um, that, my service here. So he put out a seminar, Dr. Jack Wesson put out a seminar on internet marketing, information marketing called a bootcamp, five days in Lagos at the office at Tokota. But I was living in Ibadan. I was my NYC in Ibadan as well. And I wanted to go. But I didn't have anywhere to stay in Lagos. So I'll go every day from Ibadan to Lagos to attend the seminar. Wow. Monday to Friday. You live very early in the morning? Yeah, I tell my parents I'm going to work. I'd already told my boss at work that I have a professional exam to write in Lagos. So I didn't know what I was going to tell my parents. I was going to attend the seminar in Lagos. Where are you going to stay? I didn't have money for a hotel. I'm not going to ask my mother for money for hotel. I said, I won't tell them. Just got transport money. Morning, money, money. But I'm going to work. I go to work, take a bus, going to Lagos. I attend the seminar, come back in the evening, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. So I did it for five days. Wow. So I learned a lot. He gave us like a CD where he referred more, gave us more ebooks and resources that we could learn from software for web design, HTML, those days. How, do you, how much do you have to pay for, for that seminar? It was 15000 And was there a lot of money for It me? was a lot of money for me. So I got it from a friend. Yeah. You had to invest a yeah. lot into that. I got a friend. I got it from My friend kept money with me, but I used it, but I told him, please, can I use it? I want to do this. And I said, okay, that's as long as I give him back. So, so I came back with those CDs. I learned a bit of website design, but I still was more interested in direct marketing, copywriting, and sales letter writing and stuff. So I kept reading these ebooks, and then I also recommendations in the ebooks. I go online to go and check. Okay, email marketing, autoresponders, you know, pop-ups. Then those days, banners. So I just kept learning. So I learned information marketing where you can just sell, package your knowledge and sell online in form of in different forms. So this podcast is actually a form of information marketing. I was asking you earlier on that, do you do this for free? You said you do it for free. If you want to be selling it, obviously you can sell it or people will pay to download. So there's a form of information product. It's a very, it's a very simple business to do if you have quality content, obviously. So you can do it in any industry. So just like most Nigerian young men, I tried to travel abroad and um, I tried to go to Canada. This skilled worker program where they will assess you, you get 70 points. So I did a lot of it. I learned a lot about it, but I think there was a time that I required money, so dropped it. So but I knew the process, like the back of my palms. So 
and you knew that a lot of people are like you wanting to yeah. know the process as yeah. well. So I downloaded these programs. I downloaded the forms, and then I wrote the process how you can assess yourself rather than pay a foreign lawyer because that was the thing that you you send your CV to a foreign lawyer, you assess you to see if you're qualified. So I put all these things together, and I said, okay, I can sell this. Went to Success Digest. I put an advert for three thousand five hundred naira. I created an autoresponder online where you can send an email and get an instant response. So I put all what, the what sales message. Get yeah. response. Get response. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I put like a sales letter and I program reminders after that. I priced it at $2,500. Manual payments paying to my bank account. So I put out the advert and people were buying. They were paying money. So I was shipping to them. It was physical shipment. I was shipping it was to them. physical yeah. shipment. I reproduce and ship to you them. You packed it with stuff yeah. and you send it to their address. Yeah. So when they pay to your account, you, get, you go to your bank account, you see what they've sent. Yeah. And then you get the address. and then I reproduce the CD, the manuals, photocopy, and if I go to EMS, anybody on, I go to get shipped to them. So I was making about 800 naira per sale. And I said to myself, let's break down a little bit, hmm. which again, a lot of people will learn from. What was the biggest learning for you there or shock for you? Was it that people were paying you before seeing the product at all? That people paid me at all, at all. was a thrill for me. That I can actually put something out there, people respond and pay. That means I'm going to be rich. They didn't know me, right? See, today, when I put out things, maybe I want to do a seminar, I sell a book, and I'm selling, and I put the article out there or the news, people say, because they know you, right? So they give themselves the excuses why they can't do it. because they I said, listen, I've created products that I use pseudonyms. Let me, I'm creating a product now. It's about cooking. I'm not going to use my name. I'm just going to form a name. And it's going to sell. So don't say it's because it's me. So back to that one. So I was thrilled that people don't know me. These people don't know me from Adam. And they actually went to the bank. I don't think that was transferred in. And they paid money into my account. I was thrilled. So I said, okay. That means there will be other people like this that can do it. And there will be other products that you can sell as well. Yeah. So I'm coming there. So... The sales came. I think the first one, I think I made about 10 sales from the first advert. And I was making about like 801K per one. So advert of 3.5 and like profit of over 7K, like 100%. All I need to do is rinse and repeat, as Dr. Jack Buster said. Just rinse and repeat. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put out another advert. So I put in another advert. And the sales kept coming in. In fact, it increased more than the first one. So I repeated the same advert again. It kept coming. Then I did something. I changed the price. I doubled the price. 5,000 naira. And the sales did not reduce. And that taught me a very important pricing lesson, right? People don't buy based on the cheapest. People are not looking for the cheapest product. People are looking for what they see as the best value for the money that they've got, right? People will prefer to pay more for a product that they feel is a good value than pay for rubbish product that's cheaper, right? So I learned a pricing lesson early there. So imagine how my profit went up. From two five to five thousand. That's actually that's not even hundred percent profit. Because for you, I was then. already doing hundred percent for yes. with the original price. So that's a lot. Yeah. Because then your cost of acquisition mm. is still the same. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm using autoresponders. I'm kind of selling online, even though it's offline. So okay, this thing that I'm doing, selling this information product, that knowledge is another information product. I wrote another one: how to create an information product and sell without a website. Interesting. So straight away, I priced that one at seven five. So the first product you did, you didn't have a website. 
I didn't have a website. You just, you, the second you just one. put informations together, yeah. package it, did an advert, sold it, and shipped it. Told them physically. to send an email to my autoresponder. So autoresponder automatically replies them with all the payment details and all the reminders. So once people respond to the autoresponder, they pay, I get the reply. And once I see that, then I confirm the payment, ship the bucket, and go to the post office and send. So I said, this process, someone else can make money from this. So I put it together. So I wrote it. I recorded it. I went to a studio, did audio and manual, like the module one, manual, module two audio. So I put it together, seven, five. It wasn't video. No, no video. So I ran another advert in Success Digest. The Success Digest advert was now 5,000. That increased. Then I went to Punch. I've increased. I'm not a big boy. I'm not doing only success. I went to punch. I took a two by two ad. How to make money, create and sell information products without a website. Send an email to so 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 get response. And it still was the same thing. So it worked with the first one. So it's working with this Did one as well. Did you track how many people are coming from Success Digest versus yes, Punch? Yes, yes, I opened two different autoresponder accounts to track. That's one thing I learned from as a direct response marketer. I've always read about it. I wrote about it a lot in my book, Small Business, Big Money. And you just have to know where the customers are coming from. You just don't shoot in the dark. Anyway. So I increased the price of that one to 10,000 as well, later to 15,000 and the sales were still the same. So I started doing well, I started doing decently and I started coming up with other information products, how to register your business name with the corporate affairs commission without a lawyer, how to set up an autoresponder account, how to design website, then tried my hands on seminars as well. Physical so, seminars? Yeah. Physical seminars. I tried my hands on it. And w- so let's talk about that, the difference between that and the ones that you're doing. Because the one you're doing before is scalable. There's no limits to it. You just need to just create a product once and you can sell multiple yeah. times. Physical seminar could be quite intensive, mm-hmm. uh, organizing venue. Yeah. What is your view of that? And what's the value of that seminar versus the information product that you're just shipping out? Well, a seminar is a form of information product as well. Yeah. Just another form. Um, It's okay to have variations you have ebooks you have cd you have books you have uh, webinars podcast download online whatever then another variation is physical some people like to meet you some people like to interact with you there's another chance to sell additional products to them to upsell yeah to upsell them so it's a way to warm into people's hearts they know you when they see your products next time i know this guy it can help increase sales. People will, can buy from anybody, but when they know you can help, no doubt. So good interaction with people. And some people, they want seminars. They don't want to. So you're just trying to cater for different, different segments of people. So you move on to that seminar seminars, and yeah. you still continue the ebooks. And yeah, till today. You're still doing it. Of course. You're still writing seminars yeah. and writing. What do you write about now? Well, now more of diet marketing bootstrapping, business from scratch, cheap direct marketing techniques, cheap traffic techniques. And it's in form of ebooks as well? Different forms. Ebooks, seminars. Where do you distribute them now? Um, do you still use your uh, advertising on newspapers? I've not done a, a newspaper ad in a long time. What I basically do now, I just put them on a website. I put up a website, a sales page, saying I'm selling a product and click to buy. Simple. You then do you do direct advert to that web page? Yeah, yeah. Now, on Facebook, Facebook, Google Ads, and some other ad networks. And that's how you sell. So, yeah. what's the average price point for your information product now? Well, it varies. I have from as low as five thousand naira to as high as a quarter of a million. You have quarter of a million naira, yeah. two hundred fifty thousand naira yeah. worth of 
information product that people yeah. can just download? No, not download. The physical materials, then there's a bit of physical consulting with it. Oh, you do yeah. physical consulting as well. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about how you then moved this business from that information product. You're still doing it, but I was yeah. surprised to hear that you're still doing it, which is quite good. You then moved to a product, which is the betting.com. Yeah. How did that transition happen? Oh, a lot of water passed under the bridge. I laid my hands on different other kinds of businesses. Many of them failed. For example, because of my success in information training, information products and the seminars, I now started publishing a business opportunity newspaper called it Income. Right? People loved it, but I just couldn't break even. Why? Oof, the costs. I'll never do publishing in my life again. I think it's going out of. I just gone as physical publishing. Physical it's publishing. a hard one. What it's was your what was the business model for it? Was it subscription that you? No, 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 no. Straight sales through the vendors. You were selling it, or most of the revenue was supposed to come from advert or from direct selling. My mentor, Doctor Jack, was said to me that if you want to have peace of mind in publishing, if you cannot break even at least from just selling, don't do it. If you rely on advertising alone. You're going to die because if the advertising doesn't come, you'll be in big trouble. So at least break even with the sales. So when the advertising comes, it's like extra bonus. So my initial aim was from the sales to break even. I didn't break even. So I ran for about two years and I got tired. So I dropped it. Someone still called me about two months ago. Something I've dropped since like seven years ago. Someone still asked me or eight years ago that he needs a copy of income. (laughs) So where are you going to get that from? So after that, I said to myself, I said, okay, maybe people would not really interested in these business opportunities. Uh, maybe there is only football they like. So I started publishing a sports paper. I called it World Soccer News. So I failed with that one as well. The same reason? The same reason, yeah. And you were able to get content. So content yeah. wasn't an issue. No, no, no. It's no, just there was no. no differentiation to what exists in the market. Mm, sort of. Well, even those that are differentiation, they, they are dead now, right? So I failed with another publishing venture. So I laid my hands on different things here and there, and I kept trying, I kept failing. There was a time I tried to do a Nigerian Fiverr. Yeah, aggregating um, freelancers yeah. so that people can then get their services. Yeah. So the idea was that instead of you going to Fiverr where you Fiverr, pay dollars, yeah. you yeah. can pay people in Nara yeah. and you can get jobs for a lot of people yeah. who are freelancers. Yeah, because I believe in the concept of taking something working from somewhere and replicating your own environment, especially when those in your environment are not accessing or maybe those ones have just not advertised enough, they've just not heard about it. It's a great service. Doing it for your own community, I think it's a a shortcut way to actually do something rather than trying to reinvent the wheel and busting your brains. What happened to that with the fiber? The, the Nigerian it just didn't pick up. It didn't pick it just up. Didn't pick up. Were you finding difficult to get the demand or the supply? Both. Both? Both. It was difficult. And I have this belief that I must see a spike from day one. I'm not a believer in let's push it, raise money here, get money there. I keep pushing it. Even if I'm going to raise money, I must see profitability in a short time, right? I must see, because the biggest source, my biggest investors are the customers, right? So if I don't see that spike in three, six months, even if I'm not breaking even yet, but at least I can see that it's an enthusiastic crowd, a starving crowd, ready to pay. They're already paying, but I'm just not breaking even. Maybe my expense is high. Then I'll know how I can remodel my business or increase or advertise more. But if I'm not seeing it, I just reluctance and I drop it. Just, uh, we've sold and we've tried to sell some product in Nigeria as well. And one of the biggest challenges I have is the 
buying power of people and the pricing. Mm. And you look at product that normally in the UK or US we sell for this and in Nigeria, you have to really, really go down totally. No, in my opinion, that's a big mistake. So but let's go back to that, your products that you build your um, e-books and stuff. How do you determine the pricing that people will be willing to pay in Nigeria? There's no particular formula, no hard and fast rules. What I price as high, as much as I think won't drive people too crazy. I go from the high point. I don't believe in low prices, especially for intellectual products. I'd rather do free. Like an event that I do annually, Youth Enterprise Conference. It's a big event. I spend about 20 million organizing it and I do it free. Right, so I know I'm doing for charity. But if I'm going to do a paid seminar, the price has got to be worth it. Or if I'm going to sell products, I'm going to price it well. Lower price doesn't necessarily attract people. If you're selling a product for 5,000 naira and 1,000 people buy, it doesn't mean if you sell it for two five, two double people will buy. You can have a bit of people more buying, but it cannot. I'd rather have, if I want to make 1 million, I'd rather sell 10,000 naira products. If I want to make 10 million, I'll sell 10,000 naira products to 1,000 1, people that sell 100 naira products to how many people will I get before I get to 10 million naira? So going back to what you said the other time, that if you don't see that market response, yeah. you just yeah. move on. Yeah, I move on. So I don't if, have any emotional attachment. So you want to sell 250,000 naira, that's the price point, but yeah. you prefer to sell it to 10 people than to sell uh, 25,000. And what happened if only one person bought it? Yeah, maybe it's not good enough. Maybe there's no market for it. Okay. So that, that's a logical conclusion on that. Yeah. Maybe the value is not yeah. more. Okay. So you rather uh, move away from it than to try to reduce the price. I can try. No, no, no. Reduce the price. People go out of business too much because they reduce the price. Mr. A reduced the price. Mr. B sees it. He reduces his own price as well. You see it. You reduce your price. Then you start, you start fighting. You start a price war. Nobody wins a price war. You all lose at the end of the day. So, and when you're reducing price to capture customers, what kind of customers are you trying to capture with low price? You're going to have problems selling high price products to them later. So you'd rather just do free or free trial or something and let them salivate for the high price point. See, people can pay more if they see the value, right? Maybe more bonuses, a bigger guarantee, uh, great support, uh, refund policy, Extra things, extra perks. People can pay more. Or another way is making it af- affordable. There's a difference between making it cheap and making it affordable. That's interesting. What's the difference? Affordable means it's easy for them to get into. Like maybe breaking down the price in installments, right? That's affordable. An example is um, about 10 years ago, every Nigerian that had a good job could buy a brand new car, right? The car loans were everywhere, for the bankers especially. So... They give you a car loan and you pay. And you find out that what you pay after like, as it's done everywhere in the world, after like four years of settling the, the debt, is like double the price of the car. Rather than a car owner saying, we're reducing the price. People are actually paying more for the car because they could afford it. The cars did not become cheaper. They just could afford it. Because so, there are avenues now that will enable them to be able to. Because they've broken down for years. Yes. We will get back to the street. Let, let me give you another one. Okay, look at the issue of milk, powdered milk. Yeah. Nigeria. A lot of people couldn't afford the big tin. But Cowbell started it and started a search. And a lot of people could drink tea. They could use milk. Now, go and check the price of the big tin and the price of the sachet. Now, empty the big tin and start pouring the sachet one by one. When you fill the tin up, the number of sachets you will have put in, check the price, is more expensive than the big tin. So the thing is cheaper than the sachet. The tin is cheaper. 
So the cowbell, the milk people, they did not reduce the price of the milk. They actually increased it. But they made it affordable for you. That's a good comparison, by the way. That's one of the best analogs I'm hearing about affordability and making things cheaper. Yeah. Right. I know I caught you in the middle of the story yeah. of how many waters are going on at the bridge before yeah. you got yeah. betting. Mm. But I want to ask you a personal question. This is you advising me now mm. on pricing. Okay, because that's something I struggle with a lot, mm. uh, especially in Nigeria, right? So a lot of people have been asking me questions about podcasts. Because when we started a podcast, it became actually hugely successful and popular than I expected because it was just a side thing and it was great and people were asking me oh, how do you do this and people listen to it a lot I was in San Francisco recently and somebody came to me and said I listen to your podcast every Sunday and then there are people that ask how can we do this and I believe there should be more people that should be doing podcasts hmm. uh, podcast I probably start doing it you've motivated me <laughs> yes mm. there are a lot of things you can do podcast yeah. on you can do it on on any topic on yeah on a topic that you are best yeah. known for it could be interview it could be you talking it could yeah. be you discussing and I was thinking actually I could do a seminar on podcasting mm-hmm. and just a, a day seminar to teach people how to set it up the equipment you have to use how to publish it where to publish it how to promote it mm. how to edit and when do you start using editors and other stuff mm. But my challenge is pricing because I don't want the wrong people to come and I don't want it to be cheap because it's my time and yeah. stuff. And I don't want it to be too expensive either that I to, it to just send some people away. So the challenge is pricing hmm. here in Nigeria. I know what it can be priced if I was doing it in the UK. What would you advise? First of all, price rejection is actually most of the time done by the entrepreneur and not by the customer. You've already said it. I don't want to price it high so that people will not come. You haven't priced it high and they did not come. You know, there's a difference between you pricing it high and say, oh, I priced it high and they did not come. You had already concluded in your mind. Because of my assumption about it, people. <sighs> you just assumed. That's the first problem. The entrepreneur or the business person already against price, the high price, on behalf of the customer. I want to ever be in a situation, maybe you get a plumber to come to the house or an electrician and you've seen him working and you're like, he didn't tell you the price. And you're like, I'm going to give this guy 10K. I can't give him more than 10K, Naira. I can't give him more than 10K. And he goes, Oga, how much is your money? And I'll be like, Oga, give me 6K. You want to lose much? You say, let me give you 5K. And so, but in your mind, you're already prepared. You're going to give him 10K. And when you ask him for the price, it has happened to a lot of people, isn't it? You already made up your mind that this is the price, right? So price refuser first and foremost is from the entrepreneur until they refuse it you increase as much as possible until they say no more interesting right dan kennedy i've learned a lot from online and he talks especially about pricing i say how do you increase the price number one just increase the price he was talking to one of his clients a coaching client who was charging two thousand three hundred dollars for coaching program and you know, asked Dan, said, how much do you think I should increase this to? You've been telling, okay, but I've agreed that because he was struggling with the $2,300 because he was doing a lot for the clients and probably even go to their offices and all that. So he was paying a lot. So his margins will be thin. Okay, I've agreed to increase it. Just suggest to me how much I should increase it to. And Dan said, why don't you add another zero? Interesting. To $23,000. Yeah. Zero reduction in conversion. Interesting. How much do you think is left on the table for years? How do you think his business will go up? And I actually shared that story with some of my seminar attendees one day. And someone actually came back about six months to tell me in another seminar. And he said he was selling this product, a downloadable product, for 1000 naira online. And people were buying, but 20 people buy still 20000 naira before he runs Facebook ads in dollars and all that. So they think, why don't you add another zero? Struck him. 
and he put another zero. And he started selling 10,000 naira. And the sales did not go down. If I had more sales, because people saw it as more valuable. Because price is also a yeah. reflection of perception, yeah. of perceived value. Yeah. He yeah, was, we, we was so happy. Well. He, he came to me and said, you know what? When you go back, maybe you should try and add another zero. <laughs> maybe he's going to come back to me in a year and tell me, give me the testimony. I don't know. For You can't put price, price on intellectual properties, on pro, 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 products like that. Yes. What do we call it? It's intellectual property, yeah. we call it. You can put prices on it. So if you know what you're doing, quality, you can ask for anything. You can justify it because no one has your brain. No one has your knowledge. You say, okay, but we can go on YouTube and find it. Go on YouTube. But if you want this one, I also have free materials out there. Go for it. But if you want this one, you got to pay this price. So you can package it and give it more value. What va- is the value people want to see, right? If I tell you um, the hotels in this area, they all cost about 50,000 naira average per room. If I want to build a new hotel there, what most people will do is that they will not go and price themselves at 25, 30 to go and beat those people. That's wrong. I would rather go and do my own and put 60,000 naira. 60, and I will not add other values. I will not say, okay, there's free drop-off when you're living. So you 2x or 3x the value. Yeah. And then you increase the price in a way that people yeah. see the perceived value. Yeah. I say this is by way you can have free massage. We'll take you, we'll go drop you wherever you're going within town. Um, if you come back the next time within three three months, we can give you one day extra and you can pass it to a friend. You just find out that people actually won't claim those things. A lot of people won't claim those things. If if I go there, I don't do I'm gonna go to spas. So I probably won't claim that. I probably won't come back to that town maybe in three months time to claim the reward. But for the main fact is that is there, look at the value. And I'll compare it to the 50,000 naira one that just sleep and go. Compared to the 60,000 naira one that says they're going to drop me anywhere the next day. I can come another day for free. I can do free massage. I can do that. So it's more value. People will pay for more value. People want the best deal for the money they can get. Yes. Not necessarily the lowest yes. price. Yes. So the, the deal is you create value that people perceive to be higher yeah. than the price that they are paying. Yeah. And that is cheap in their head. Yes. Then I'm just going to be lower in price than, the, than, yeah. than my competition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, someone told a story. One of the best books I've read about this is a book called Contagious. Give an example like, let's say you're going, you've made up your mind, you want to buy, let's say this laptop in front of us. You want to buy this laptop. And you go into a shop. You're ready to buy the laptop. You go there. And they said, they're selling for 160, but it's on sale for 150. But the next one, they're selling 200, but it's on sale for 160. People will still go for the second one more. Now, that is if they didn't, you send different people yes. to the two stores. Because the, that one, they will feel they're saving 40,000. And this one, they're only saving 10,000. So the perceived value. Yeah. So it's the perceived value that influences whether you buy or not, not the retail price. Interesting. So... For my seminar on how to start and launch and grow a podcast, yeah. I should be looking for that perceived value and stacking up value. Yeah. You give your money back guarantees to start with. Lifetime money back guarantee. If they're not satisfied, they can come back five years time and collect their money. You have to put these values together. People want to see the value. People are not looking for the cheapest price. Even if you go to any website to search for something, you can start from lowest, but you're likely not going to buy the one that is the lowest, lowest, lowest. You just want to use it as comparison. It's a, price is not absolute. We look at price in comparative terms. If I bring out something you've never seen before, you won't have an idea what the price is yes. because you have nothing to compare it with. 
right? But once you have something to compare with, you begin to say it's expensive, it's cheap. There's nothing expensive, there's nothing cheap. You just don't know what to compare with. That's interesting. So this is like a masterclass on pricing, on how mm-hmm. to start a business. Let's move on to that, your story. Yeah. So you started this, you're doing all of this seminar and information marketing. Mm. How did you like get into the big business you're doing now, which is the uh, okay. sport betting? So like I said, I tried my hands on a lot of things, publishing, seminars, blah, blah, I did some export, a lot of things. So one day I was in the UK. I went to see my brother and he said I should come with him to sports betting shop. And we went to Coral. I just stayed with him. So I placed a bet on some teams, submitted it to the cashier, collected his ticket. And we're doing other things. We're looking at the horses. I wasn't too interested. I was interested a bit. I was like, okay, it's nice. Okay, I never knew that's what they do here, the bet. Football betting, how is it done? Huh? Okay. So we're there till the games ended and my brother had won. I was like, ah, wait a minute, you won this bet. You didn't even predict the scoreline. You just said Bayern Munich will win, Barcelona will win. Anyone with at least half a brain should know that. I said, teach me how to do this. And he showed me. All you need to do is just collect the slip, select, give the cashier the money. You wait for it. Go pray for luck. So I did it. I won. Did it again. Lost. Won. No more. I didn't profit. I didn't lose. I was just, I was just hanging in there. But I was enjoying the thrill. I said, wow, Nigerians are going to love this. And in my head, I wasn't thinking about information product. I wasn't even thinking about the sports betting company itself. I said, Nigerians are going to love this. Let, let me create an information product. So I found that they have a website. That people should be able to play on the website. So I went to the website. I saw that people could play. Then I saw that, okay, some will not accept Nigerians. Okay, I started searching for the ones that will accept Nigerians. Even the ones that accepted Nigerians, how would they pay? Someone accepted e-currencies like e-gold. Then those days, Liberty Reserve. I said, okay. So I compiled like six sports betting companies that you can play. I explained the basics. Uh, how you can register, I did a screen capture, how you can fund it, how you can withdraw if you win. But there used to be pool in the yeah, there used 80s to be pool. and 90s. There used to be pool. pool is different from it's this. It's different. Yeah. Like the name pool, it's not a fixed odd. Like sports betting, when you say odds on Barcelona to win is this. And once you put that money and you get it right, you get your money. The money stated on your receipt. But pool is different. What happens is that all of you that play, they put it in a pool. That's why it's called pools betting. So those of you that get it right, we share that pool. After the company has taken their own, the government has taken their own. Uh, so whatever is left in the pool is what you all play. I think a bit of lottery, they do it like that as well, where yes. you've won and a few of you shared yeah, it. I don't so, know so too much about lottery. Yeah, but big lottery. So pool, yeah. pools, you, you all put money in the pool. And so you can get all the predictions right. It's only 100 naira you get because... But if you're lucky, if it's only you that got it right, then you can get the big win. Anyway, so... And I wrote it down. And I called my friend. His name is Dotto. He's the... Founder of 1960 bet, actually. So I said, please go to complete spots for me. I was still there. I will transfer money to you. Take half page advert for me. I wrote a sales letter. How to make money, sports betting, blah, blah, blah. I put a picture I took at Old Trafford to see that. See, I'm an international kind of credibility. <laughs> so I wrote it, put payment bills, straight sales from the page of the newspaper, half page. And I had about... 100 sales from the first. To buy your information yeah. product on how to bet, bet on, sport. on sport internationally. Yeah. And it was download. I was sending. What year was this? 2007. So I had the ebook. It was an ebook PDF. Once I sent to someone, I'll just go to my sent folder. Once I confirm the payment, I just forward to another person. It wasn't a big deal like download, no technical thing. I just attached it. I was just sending. 
So the advert was about 180,000. Uh, the sales was about 450,000. Uh, it was download, no cost of shipping, nothing. I was like, wow, all I need to do is what? Rinse and repeat. So I kept running the advert. And money was coming. I said, okay, let me put up a website. So I put it online. I call it Nigeria Bet. Then NigeriaBet.com. I've lost that domain. I don't know why I dropped it. I forgot. So NigeriaBet.com. So I put that sales letter on the website and the payment options. I now started driving traffic to the website rather than taking newspaper ads. So I was now sending the traffic to and the sales just kept on, kept on. So I was in Nigeria. How were you driving traffic to the site? Uh, Google ads. Display ads. Yeah. Yeah. So... Or you're doing some email marketing with some people that have emails? <laughs> Let me tell you what I did. From my email list, because my email list was an email list of business marketing, I didn't want to send a sports betting message to them. Not, not to affect your own brand yeah, in that aspect. In that way. But I did something a bit sneaky. What was it? What I did was that after I started selling the product a bit, and I said, yeah, let me tell you a story of how this information marketing works, a free lesson. And I said, look, I've done this over the years, but there's another one I'm doing now. For example, I just created a product on sports betting. That shows that any topic, I've sold products on registering business, so without the Canadian immigration. Now I'm even selling on sports betting. Just take a look at this website that I just set up to sell. And it's selling. So a lot of people went to check out the website. In the process of checking out the website, some yeah. of them were buying. Were you sending weekly <laughs> email to people? Uh, normally, or you just send email when I don't have any. I don't have. I don't have any particular rule. But what I do is that I make sure that at least once in two weeks. I don't want to forget that I have a list so that it doesn't grow cold. So at least, even if it's an interesting article I see online, I just send it to them. I don't have a formal newsletter like every week the headline content. No, 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 no. I don't do that. So I, so the sales were coming in. The sales were coming in, and so I was in Nigeria, and I started receiving emails. It was leading to the Champions League final in 2008, Manchester United Chelsea. And I received emails from people and said they've been trying to fund the sports betting accounts that they opened after reading my manual, my ebook. Can I help them transfer money? I said, how much? $500. You $300. You $50. You $1,000. You want to transfer to sports betting? Me, I created this information product though. I knew you like it, but I didn't know you guys would take it this seriously. <laughs> <laughs> More people are still buying information products on the side though. So I said, well, I don't have a means of transferring. Go to the bank. Okay, those of you that don't have it good. You know, people like this do it for me thing. Yes. Yeah, people like the do it for me thing. So when you sell information products, always back it up with a do it for me service. And that could be your upsell. High price. So, but if you have time or you have people that can do your it. team, you just come out as the face, but you have people running the bolts are not day to day for you or it's going to overwhelm your clients will frustrate you so um well, what was i so, so the I people said, are I trying to sell how am i going to transfer okay my friend sells ego and liberty reserve uh, go to the bank gtb and transfer you can do transfer if you pay naira they will convert it to you then it was easy to just send dollar with, with your naira but it was still coming i said okay i can't transfer please in your own betting account help me Take this money, help me bet. And I have a foreign a one account. So they gave me money. I said, okay. And I sent a message to my list. Okay, those of you asking me to send money on their behalf, I don't. What I can do is so for this particular match, just this Chelsea man you match, just give me the money. I'll bet in my own account. So people just loaded me money. How much was that? Maybe I'll just, going up to a million. Naira. Mm, I just send money. 50,000. I paid Chelsea. Man, you asked now. And you were making a cut out of everything that is. No, I didn't plan to make any cut. But 
fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know which one to call in. I now wanted to fund my own account with the money they paid. I now couldn't fund. And the match was going to kick off. Let's say like this time now, I couldn't fund. And the match was going to kick off. Because I already added everybody's money to all of you that I was going to do it bulk. I was not going to do it one by one. Then Mr. Tunde says, Man United to win $100. John says, I'll add everybody that says, I'll just bet in my own account. Those that said, For and against. Yeah. So, and I couldn't fund. But, and I have their money. So, am I going to return the money to these people? Like, ha, ah, what am I going to do? What if they go and win big? What am I going to do? I said, well, I don't want to tell them I couldn't do it. I'm going to disappoint them. So I'll just take the loss. If they win big, I'll just tell them that, okay, they've won. I'll withdraw it from my online account and I'll give them the money. They know the odds. They know the price. They know everything. They know what they're expecting. So I said, okay. I know to my friend. We don't enter today. <laughs> so I went to you watch. You were taking the risk. It was, a, and I became like the bookmaker. You became the bookmaker. Yeah. So you were forced into that position. Involuntarily. Yeah. So me, I was already thinking about it that when they were saying I should help them send money, I was already thinking about it that can't we have it in Nigeria? So when I was forced into that situation, I said to my friend, well, this is my baptism of fire. I'm taking it. Even though they think uh, I did it on their behalf on the International Bookmaker Board, they didn't know. But uh, my conscience was clear. I wasn't deceiving them per se because I wanted to do it really. Secondly, I was going to pay them even if they win. So a lot of people put on Chelsea, a lot of people put on Man United. And it was a final, Champions League final. So I watched the game and the game went to extra time. And in sports betting, it's 90 minutes because there's option of draw. Interesting. If it goes into 90 minutes, if it goes into extra time, it's a draw because they played 1-1. Wow. But nobody thought of that. All of them put either mind you, all of them put it. Everyone was new to betting then now, so they didn't really know. These days, it doesn't happen like that. Some people will put it draw. So, pause, pause. How are you watching that match? <laughs> I'm a Man United fan, right? And I'm a Man United fan. And as I was watching the game, Man United scored. Boom. I was happy as a football fan, but I told my friend, hey, what I did? <laughs> okay, what are we going to do? Chelsea equalized. I was like, okay, 1-1 one, one is good. So as the game was going on, the game was going on, Chelsea wanted to score. You Chelsea were praying hit the for a draw. I was like, <laughs> so when it was full time, Paul, my friend and I would just jump on each other. Yes! People were like, but you're a Man United fan. <laughs> Why are you jumping? I said, Kolege, you don't understand. <laughs> so we now settled down to what the extra time. Unfortunately, as Man United now won on penalty shot, so it was double joy for me so nobody won anything out of all those that gave me money because they all played either man united win or chelsea win nobody played draw does that mean the all the one million goes yeah. to you yeah nobody played draw if people had played draw those ones will have won wow because so if you put money on normally if you are able to pay that money would have gone to the betting platform yeah if i but you the, took the risk i took the risk and you got all the money yeah but it was risky. What if a lot of people had played on draw as well? And the draw prices are actually always high. What would I have done? Because well, all of them those days, they were, everybody was new to sports betting. So, ah, man, you win. Today, they are smarter people. They will put on draw. Some people will even spread their risk. Either Chelsea win or draw. <laughs> or either man, you win or draw. So, but then, so nobody. And just, I was like, wow, I can't do this thing. I can't do this thing. So after the Champions League 2008, uh, the European Championship came and, and I'll give my boy, I called all my guys, like 10 of them. I gave them a virtual balance. I, I gave them an exercise book, virtual balance of 
say 100,000 naira. Start betting. I'll give you the odds of each game. I downloaded it online from Betrist Five and all that. Start betting. Okay, I gave you 100k. Bet 10k. You bet 10k. So your balance is now 90k. And I, w- I wanted to see if after the tournament, well, maybe I'll be in big financial trouble. And I don't know if they, all the payouts, it was, I gave about 10, 1 million naira out, 100k each. So they had a 1 million in total. So assuming they actually gave me the 1 million. So the total winnings, total payout was about 800,000 naira. And they were spread betting different odds. All of yeah, different odds, different games. Some and of them will be like, minutes, yeah. not you. Yeah. Yes, okay. You I just was just giving them the odds and the fixtures and the odds. To do the probability, you, you're testing the probability of this. Thing. Yes. So I just went to the established boomers to get the odds. So I give them. Some will be like, ah, I'm not touching this game today. I'm not betting till tomorrow. So some of them had their balance at zero at the end of the day. Some of them had their balance at 160,000. Some of them had their balance at 80. One guy had like 650, you know. There's a big lesson here. There are many ways to do minimum viable products hmm. without building product initially hmm. what hmm. you did there is the minimum viable product i guess so so i looked at it we paid about 800 total about 1 million that i made available total winnings was about 850,000 i'm like good this is a good margin we can do this thing so i started looking for the person that would develop it for me i said it's time because you've tested how i it tested work. with the champions league game with real money, people gave me real money, and with the virtual money with my friends during Euros, Euros 2008. So I started, okay, we can do this. So then looking for someone that would develop it for me. And what was the platform supposed to be? The platform you wanted to build then? Yeah. How did you ideate it? Well, I just looked at the likes of Betris 5 and said, I want to have something like this, but it's going to be Nigerian, nice, Nigerian bank account, Nigerian figures. They remove the dollar sign. You can pay cash. The same games. The same games. The same games. So I was now looking for someone that would develop for me. Now I went online. I checked foreign companies that could do it. These days, you can set up a sports betting company with $5,000. You get a software. But those days, there were no solution for small businesses. The cheapest I got was £2 million. Pounds. Wow. Ah, and I didn't have £2 million. I had £2 million, but I didn't have such money. So I started now talk to a friend who was a developer, and he did it for me. For how much? Oh, 50000 or something like that. It was 150 or so. 150,000 naira or yeah, 150,000 dollars. It was a very basic thing. If I used to have one pay up to 150. <laughs> but, but then, so, so. All the games I was entering in manually, I'll copy it from Bentley. So I'll enter the games manually. The results I will enter it, pick it out. Everything was manual. I was sweating. I was on the computer morning. You were the one doing it yourself. <laughs> Everything. But then you were actually lucky there because a lot of people build products that way by outsourcing to somebody and mm. it takes ages, it doesn't work, and it just killed them. Because I was giving him the minimum possible specifications. Yes. I was giving him the minimum. I just wanted to get it out there. I just wanted to do something. I said, okay, better is five operates like, no, you just do your own data. I'll approve it manually, everything. It was like I was just writing paper on coupon. Just get it there yeah. so people can use it. So when it was ready, now told me, okay, it's ready. We bought a domain name, Narabet. That's 2009. And he said it was ready. He said it just needs to dot some I's and cross some T's. I said, can I go and promote? He said, yeah, you can go ahead and promote. So that night, I sent an email. You now have a database. Of betting people now. Yeah. I even had more than those that actually bought the product. Because when I put the product online, what I did was that before you even see my sales pitch, I said, put down your name and email address. Even though not all of them bought. So I had a database of about maybe 5,000 people on my database interested in betting. So the first thing I did, I sent an email. Hey, I know you know about sports betting and you want to, but, but, but there's no need to send money abroad because there's now we have a Nigerian company called Nairabet. Click here to go. So by the next morning, about 200 people had registered on the website. And 
My friend called me when he woke up. It was a Saturday. It was a Friday night. He said, I could go and market. So he called me the next day. He woke up. He said, Akin, they've hacked this website. They've hacked it. I said, why? What do you mean? I can still see it online. He said, yes, I saw about 200 names. They have registered. Some people have hacked it and put those names there. I said, but last night you told me to go and market. He underestimated your reach. I said, yes. I said, I marketed last night now. And that's why, if you go and refresh now, the 200 will be maybe 250. <laughs> 250 now. I said, ha. I said, you don't know me. Me, I'm a direct response marketer. I have an opt-in email list. I, it's going to be instant response for me. And he said, okay. Okay, I better finish up the work. I said, you better finish it up. So, finished it up. So, we actually used that software for three, four years. You I put him on a retainer. Wow. So you were growing it. You, you used the basic website. Yeah. Just growing the business rather than doing fanciful stuff. Yeah. So I kept putting the money back bit by bit. Said, ah, let's buy this software. It can make this site faster. The thing was going down every weekend as customers registered. We needed the server, you know, that buy bigger hosting space and things like that. So I kept, then I put them on a retainer about 100K monthly. We got 150K. To, that was cheap. So And I still had a full-time job. So I was just doing it on the side. So... I used to do about three, four years before I now moved on to a better software. And it was only one person that built that website and maintained it. Yes. Yeah. Only one. And what was the volume that the business was doing and in terms of both activity and in terms of... Until we moved out of that software to a better one, we had about 80,000 registered members. And what was the revenue like? Well, I'd like to keep my revenues out of publicity. <laughs> yeah, but give, <laughs> give, give, give us an idea then. then. To be honest with you, in the millions? I can't remember what they... In the millions of millions. Of course. Hundreds of millions. Well, if you're talking about, you know, there's... Total bets and there's total wins. Yes. Are you talking about total bets? Total bet. Total bet, obviously. It was it was going into millions. Hundreds. Because per, we had one million for one game the other time. One million per as you mean per, no, for, per for, year or per year, per year. Hundreds of millions per year. Or per month. Per year. Per year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Per so year. You, you were super lean, but it was a very good yeah. Business. It was a very hot market. And Will it's the market that matters to me. Once the market is hot, that's why I said earlier, if I don't see the spike early, I saw this, I saw it from day one, as in from the test with my friends and from when we put it online, sent an email to my list and this, I saw it from day one. I'm like, yes, would, I must nurture this. Would you, would you say you came at the right time? Yes. If you have done it now, it would have been differently? Yeah. Would, if I've done it harder? now, especially with the software I had, I stand zero chance. Interesting. Because there are other people in the industry with very robust, very good software. The software that I couldn't afford then, a lot of people are coming into the industry with the software. Were you the first? Yes. Online betting in Nigeria. Yes. You were the first. Yeah. That means you have to go through headlong into regulation. Yeah, absolutely. And engaging with the government. Absolutely. And educating the market. Yeah, it's been a lot of work. Mm. So now you have, I assume you have hundreds of thousands of users. Two million. Two million users. And I'm sure that when you gone it's up good. a lot as well good. and there are other people that have come into this space yes what do you see as the future of this thing at the end of the day we're going to have like four players max now we have about 50 right about 50 players in this space at the end of the day it's going to consolidate what would drive that consolidation firstly a lot of people overestimated the market when they came in they just thought they're just going to start and start packing money <laughs> right but you were packing money yeah because then the market now is different from then I'm there. There are other major players there. The customers are happy, satisfied with this one. What are you bringing to the table? You just want to do another me too. So why should they leave Nairabit to go to you, right? We've got the best odds. We can afford to 
keep it and keep only 3% of total bets and you are coming and you come with only 10 million naira into the market and the first day they win 20 million naira you are out <laughs> are there people that have been clean out that of way? course of course a lot of people have come and gone a lot have come and gone so at the end of the day when people see that it's not a bed of roses what we enjoyed there's no way you can enjoy it now that's why i said if i had come now if i come now with what i did then i stand zero chance and this is something. like less than 12 years ago we're yeah less than about. 10 less than 10 years yeah. ago we're talking about yeah that means there are other spaces and other uh, sectors that people absolutely especially in, in gaming yeah well, not just gaming other sectors as well that people can go into and be the pioneers and absolutely absolutely i recommend you start any form of online business especially tech or even retail business offline i always recommend you be the first because you can always maintain that title no one can take it from you. We can't argue who is the biggest. We can't argue who is the best. We can say, what's the best bank in Nigeria? You probably say Zenit. I probably say GTB. Someone will say Diamond. Someone will say Access. We cannot argue it. But the first, first bank. We cannot take it away. But sometimes the first people in the market are not the winners. The winners are yeah. the fast learners, right? I get. But it's a good advantage to have. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. not all and all. Yeah. A first mover advantage can help you. Can, if you know, yeah. let people say a business like that. If you come up with a magazine that's showing parties and celebrating people, they'll say that magazine like ovation, right? So be that thing people will say, oh, that thing like your business. So be the first. Then if you're going into a market where someone else is the first, then you can create a subsector of that market and be the first. For example, there are radio stations everywhere in Nigeria. Every one, one, what they call it, you tune it, you move to the next radio station. But someone like Larry Zamoja came and said that Brilla FM, Sports FM, he didn't even invent FM, FM business has been there. And he now was the first sports radio station. So if you're the first, no one can take the title away from you. So what I say, I'm the biggest, I'm the most innovative, I'm the pioneer. So Narabet is the first. Or the first, the pioneer. And you are able to move fast and do a lot of things. You innovate as well. Yeah. I think the key point about you is that innovation. Even though a lot of people have come, I must confess, after us and done extremely well. Yeah. And they've been able to claim the market share as well. Yeah, for example, I started online, right? And I do a bit of retail, betting shops. Because I'm not really a retail fan. I like online. I can control everything with my laptop from anywhere. All I need is just technical people and customer care online. It's fine. This engine is processing it. I have my software providers abroad. It's scalable quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. So I didn't do much of retail and just a bit, just so that people can see my physical when presence. When you say retail, you mean physical, physical shops, shops yeah. where people can go in and place the bets. Place the bets or fund their online account. But in that physical shop, they're using your platform as well. Yes. The cashier is yeah, using yeah, your platform. Yeah. Yeah. It's an omni-channel. So I didn't put much effort into it. Then the new guys came in and they were retail focused and they were cleaning, they were almost they, cleaning you. They out. cleaned the retail. Wow. They cleaned <laughs> the retail. It's not the almost. They cleaned the retail right before my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you reacted fast. Well, I didn't react fast because I actually saw that I was losing the retail battle. So I put all my efforts on my first love online. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So now it's a very competitive space, uh, this sporting, yeah. sport betting stuff. Yeah. And you are still one of the strongest yeah. in, in this space and you're always innovating. How big is your team at the moment? Total staff strength, uh, over a thousand. Over a thousand people? Yeah. But the reason why we have that much is because we have company shops where we have cashiers and all that in different parts of the country. Right. But if we take away the retail aspect, 
which some companies actually don't do. Some are 100% online. And some, even though they do retail, they do only the franchise model. They don't have their own staff on the streets, which I want to move my business to as well. So but for the head office, we have about 150 people at the head office. And then you have a thousand people that are on your payroll. Yes. At the moment. Yeah. That's a big business. Yeah. <laughs> You're responsible for a lot of family. Yeah. And that's direct. Not to talk about the franchise owner, the agent, the indirect. Right. And then you still want to grow this a lot. Do you still see more opportunities? Yeah, I see more opportunities because we are trying to explore SMSs and USSD. As a way of people... Placing their bets. Uh, it's very huge in Kenya. Although the main reason is because of their mobile money, M-Pesa. Everybody with a phone has got an M-Pesa account. So it's more tricky in Nigeria, but uh, we're seeing what we can do about it. I'm enjoying this conversation. It's getting long and I really enjoyed it. But mm. I want to eat on some aspect of, of your life as well, which is politics. You're mm. a politician. I'm a politician. And you want to run for... Federal House of Reps. There's a bit called like the Congress in the... In United the States. So you want to mm. run for Federal House of Representatives in Nigeria yeah. for uh, Ibadan. Um, where you're from? Yeah. Okay. And, and which party are you going for? APC. APC, the ruling party in Nigeria yeah. at the moment. There's a bit I agree with you on what I think I've heard you said it and I've always said it as well. And this is my own view is that politicians have disproportionate power and influence more than any other career person or any other work. If you're a pastor, you can only have influence on maybe mm. people in your church, thousands mm. of people in your church, or even people that listen to you. But only to a limited point, maybe spiritually yeah. you can. If you are a doctor, you can only save or kill one life at a time or if a pharmacist you can only keep maybe thousand people that are used to mm. but a politician can affect generations it's huge. you can leave thousands of people out of poverty it's huge. or destroy thousands of people <laughs> in generation if you destroy the yeah. education system and that's one of your motivations yeah. for going to yeah. politics I've tried to do a lot in my personal capacity and if I'm not careful I'll go broke right I've tried to do physical things for the community I've tried to send people to school I've tried to make water available in my village uh, I've done a lot of things but how much can I do, right? I give an example, an example I like to give. We have major expressions like Lagos Ibadan Express Road, Binyara Road. The richest men in Nigeria, people like Aliko Dangote, tell them to build all the roads in Nigeria. They can't. They can maybe build one major one and we're like, we've tried. And even the purpose uh, did that, they had to get a tax break, right? So he can't do it, but ordinary minister for works <laughs> with the power he's got. He can do so many roads. Can mobilize the fund. Yeah, which, can mobilize the gun. Yeah. Which is yeah. massive. Yeah. And can do it without you spending can co- his own you, personal you, money. You can come up with so we can have our own Silicon Valley if the government is ready to support, right? I'm thinking of maybe if I become the governor of my state one day we'll have a, an area our own Silicon Valley in Ibadan, right? So only this can be achieved. As an individual, you can do but what I really want to do, I want to impact on people to get into jobs. If I have a big company and 20,000 people are working, that's 20,000 people. Why can't 5 million people work? Why can't 20 million people work? But I can't do that. So you have to do it as someone in charge in government. That's your motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how would that impact your business over time? Would- it's already affecting it in a way. Yeah, but the, my business is getting structured so well that they don't need me day-to-day running, right? Everything is, all I just need is attend their meetings occasionally, call me when they are having a debate in the office and try to know my view. 
and things like that. So I don't run it. So it's running on its own already. So I've been able to put it in place that way. So it won't affect it much. But it's definitely good. I'm definitely going to miss my vigor. I'm going to miss my direction. You never uh-huh. raised money, so you don't have a child. I don't have. That. A, maybe that's another reason why I'm relaxed. I don't have obligations. I don't have one single bank loan. I don't have investors' money. I don't have anybody's money with me. I'm debt free. Are you now actively? participating in politics as running or you're about to declare or you are involved in this state structure we, like i said i want to contest for federal as of reps but INEC has not lifted the ban on politics so you can't campaign in so what we're just doing is meeting people meeting uh, village party members those that will determine if you can win the primaries and all that so you're gonna be spending a lot of money you know that a lot of logistics is a lot of money how will you innovate the process given your background as a tech entrepreneur the truth of the matter is that where I come from, majority of it falls in the deep rural parts, right? That will still require a lot of one-on-one market. I wish I can just get all of them to follow me on Twitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> but they are not there. So you have to go uh-huh. every time. Uh, every time, every and time. And meet with people. Yeah. Dance on the attend streets. Attend functions. Attend functions. They want to you know you want to represent them, right? They want to see the person that's going to represent them. I just can't sit in Lagos here, sit in Lakey and say, don't worry, come and vote for me on the day and I'm going to represent you. What if you go and you don't come back, right? So they want to see you. One of them is doing a meal ceremony. You want to be with them that weekend. Uh, not necessarily to give them anything. But just be but just, yeah. accessible. Yeah. yeah. And you are a chief as well. Yeah. What What are your obligations? Do you have to be around as a local chief regularly? As the mortgagee of um, where I come from, I have two ballets under me. So the ballets are they're running the things. So I come mostly for ceremonial things, new chieftains title, a meeting that they now need my final contribution. Like when we just made the last ballet, the second ballet, I needed to finalize it before we take them to the palace of Olubadon to make him a ballet. So day-to-day running of things, we leave it to the ballets. But as the mortgage, I just oversee. And then Ibadan chieftaincy structure is almost military. Actually, it's military because Ibadan was founded by warlords. Mm. They are one of the unique chieftaincy. Right? Yeah. You get people get promoted. You're a mortgage, you're on the road to become mm. Ulubadon. Mm. And is that something you look forward to? to Absolutely. That will be my crowning glory in my life. So will you be red happy to leave a politician? Because a politician is always aiming for the top presidents yeah. or yeah. governor president. Yeah. You're happy to leave that to become the Ulubadon. The truth of the matter is that the way the Ulubadon line is formed, before you get there, you'll likely be an octogenarian. So you're hoping that you're, you get to the peak of your political career before, before you become... <laughs> That's what you're hoping. That's your betting side coming up now. You're I'm, hoping to have to become the peak it, of your career before becoming an Ulubadon. I, I don't think you can ever be an Ulubadon at, at 70 the highest you get, the lowest you get is like at 75. We know the next 50 Olubadons. And you are what number? <laughs> I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. But the truth of the matter is that the current Olubadon was once number whatever. So you don't know. You can't decide this life. It's a queue. So the current Olubadon was already past 80 and it was still number four on the line. And people thought it's not going to make it. Imagine number four on the line, you're 80 and the people are alive and people will spend an like average of 10, 10 years. How? How is it going to get to you? But things happen. Things happen. They were they were old men and they died. It was next to Lubadon when they died. So but, you can't say it can reach me, it might not reach me. So having so. said that though, that we have an example in the southwest, like Sadiremi, who was a king and also a politician. Mm. So it was Yeah, a lot of 
all about those that have been politicians. Yeah. So we're going to end this. This is super interesting. I learned a lot and I'm sure a lot of people will have learned a lot from you as well in the span of your story and some of the deep insight that you're giving. I'm going to end this conversation with fire and question I used to ask all my guests. Mm. When I say one straight question, you just give me an answer to it. Four of them. Um, what is your biggest business pain point at the moment? Payment. Payment. What do you mean by that? For customers to pay. Oh, so acquiring them to pay or payment as... Getting them to pay. Because they've registered already. They've registered already. But so we can pay with your debit cards or go into the bank or go to any agent. But what if we're in a building now? There's no agent around here. I can't go to the bank now and I don't have money in my card or my ATM card is expired. How do I pay? But there are a lot of payment platforms that have come up recently in like, Nigeria, like Flutterwave, uh, Paystack. Want to play with Paystack? We use them all. Well, you want to pay, you must have money in your card. Okay, it's them. You have money. 200 naira in your pocket here. You want to put it in your Nairbet account online. How are you going to turn that 200 naira in your pocket to your virtual balance online? Interesting. And you don't want to go to the Nairbet office. It's close like you. where we are now, there's none close. So it's not that they're not willing to pay, but that's many transferring that, except it's in their bank account. Except it's in their bank account. Because but. some of the customers that you talk to are actually not, they don't have online stuff. No, they do, but maybe they don't have money in their card that very moment, or they've just not picked up their card, or it's been the ATM, you know, it's missing, or it's far away, it's in the office, and they want to fund their Nairbet account now, yeah. and they have 500 naira in their pocket. How would that 500 naira become virtual balancing? Uh -huh. Would they take uh, transport or drive their car to the bank or to the nearest naira shop? You probably have lost the sale. So that's why I say in East Africa, right, you will see someone selling M-Pesa credit right there. You fund your M-Pesa account right there in every street corner. That makes it easy for them to be able to transact. Yeah. So you just go out. Like you want to buy a recharge card in Nigeria, right? Uh, top of card. So you can just step out, just the, every corner. So imagine if you can fund your Nairobi account like that. That's that's your biggest business pain point. Mm. What is your number one growth metric? What are you looking at in your business that is indicating that you are growing on a weekly or on a monthly basis? Daily. Daily. What is it? What do you check on a daily basis to indicate whether you're growing? Yeah, because we do, we check the rate of registration. Rate of registration. Yeah. Pe new people come. Yeah. New yeah. people. Uh, you don't look at retention because... We look at it, but that's the number one. But the new Because people. I'll try, I'll come up with a marketing wizardry to convert them. So I want them to get in first. Yes. Which book are you reading at the moment? I'm actually reading four books. <laughs> At the moment, I'm reading Position. It's an old book, right? But I'm just going over it again. I'm reading Eight Military Leadership Lessons from Robert Kiyosaki. And I'm reading two books on uh, offshore companies, certain of offshore companies, the Panama Papers offshore and, and uh, Offshore Heavens. Offshore Heavens. Yeah. Interesting. Which business, apart from your own, is getting you excited at the moment? Which business, apart from my own, Nigerian? Doesn't have to be Nigerian. It can be any business, but preferably African business. It doesn't have to be a new business or it just an existing be, business. It can be existing. I'm just a lover of Apple. For Apple. Apple, for Apple gets you excited. Oh. Their innovation or just their product? Innovation, innovation and products, yeah. Then number two worldwide, Booking.com. Why? <laughs> I don't know, it's just easy. 
Unlike hotels where you have to pay, fine, hotels do have the options of pay at the gate. But there's something about booking I just don't get. I use booking and go to a hotel, right? And I want to come back two days after and I have the hotel website and I have hotel everything, access to the hotel. I can even pay cash. And I'm going to the hotel, I'm at the entrance of the hotel and I still go on booking to book that hotel. <laughs> yes. Have you, have you, have you used um, Hotel Tonight before? An app. No. That, that's like magic. So, wow. so if you like booking.com, you're going to like Hotel Tonight. Basically, Hotel Tonight is only a mobile. So you okay. find yourself in any city and you want to book tonight a hotel. So they only curate maybe 10 or 15 in a particular area and they will get the rooms at discounted because those rooms, they have not been booked. Yeah. So the hotels will be happy to give you a room that is normally $250 for $150. Yeah. So Hotel Tonight will have... have so like last minute deals. Yes. So I was coming from Norwich one time and I needed to have a meeting in London the next day and I was on the road and I booked it. And recently I traveled as well and we were booking Hotel Tonight at last minute. So basically we flew to New York from LaGuardia Airport, Mm -hmm. from JFK Airport to Manhattan. We're booking hotel tonight and it's amazing. Like the hotel version of lastminute.com. You got it, but a mobile version of it. Curated. You don't have to search too much. Only about 10 or 15 hotels and they're good Uh, ones. Lastminute.com, do they do hotels? Yeah, they do hotels. So how were they able to Actually, way, one of the founders invested in Expedia. Yeah, one of the founders invested in Hotel Tonight as well. Oh. So you like Hotel Tonight. Mm. Yeah, Nigerian, Nigerian ones. I love Paystack. I don't know why. It just works. It just works. I love my friend's company, Roku. What he's doing is absolutely amazing content-wise. His business is a content business. And he's doing, he's doing amazing things. I absolutely adore Iroko. Mm. It's been great having you on the show. I really enjoyed my conversation great. with you. It's been great for I've, me too. I've heard so much good stuff about you and you didn't disappoint. So mm. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you. <laughs> this series is in partnership with the British Council in Nigeria. The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to britishcouncil.org.ng. One of the things we do at Starter is growth consulting. We work with select number of growth stage startups and established companies to grow and retain their customers. We do growth. We're not a digital marketing agency. Instead, we help our clients figure out their customer acquisition and retention by focusing on three major things. We help them build a consistent narrative and community around their core offers. Second, we help them build a scalable, repeatable, and cost-effective growth growth systems and strategies. And lastly, most importantly, we help them build an in-house team that we execute the strategies for them. We've worked with and still working with companies like Flutterwave, Cranium One, DIY Law, Omar Gardens, JEE Client Services, Amara Suit, and many others. We're a small team of startup entrepreneurs, investors, product designers, and growth marketers with experiences of building and scaling our own products and companies. To work with you, we'll have to determine if there's a fit and if we can significantly make a difference to your growth trajectory within a short time. If your business is currently making money, at least $10,000 per month, and you want to scale to the next level, let's have a chat. Go to wedogrowth.co and book a free strategy session with us. That is W-E-D-O-G-R-O-W-T-H dot C-O. Wedogrowth.co and book a free strategy session with us today.
Do you have an offer, a product, service, or message that will be ideal for entrepreneurs, investors, or corporate executives across Africa? Building the Future podcast can help you. This podcast has been sponsored by partners who want to reach super-targeted audience of investors, entrepreneurs, and people who are in the process of starting their own business. If you or your company is interested in reaching those audiences, through this podcast. We would like to chat with you. We have sponsorship slots from three episodes up to one year. Send me an email via hello at the starter.com. That is H-E-L-L-O at T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A dot com. And we can take this further. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you. And it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A.com and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks. Thanks.